Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Asia podcast. My name is Kevin O'Shea, a Canadian living in Asia, year number 21. Uh, At the moment, this episode is coming to you from Osaka, Japan, where I am for part of the summer, coming from an Airbnb studio near you, that's right, um, in the Tanimachi area of Osaka. I hope you guys are all doing well. I know that I am. The heat is getting is 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 coming to town here in Osaka. It's starting to get warm. It's starting to feel summery. Not as hot as, of course, Shenzhen, China, or Hong Kong, where I was before I got here. But it's it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, just came back from Hiroshima yesterday morning, and I had the chance to sit down yesterday evening with Philip Jackson to talk all about the books he has been writing, Hidden Paths. Walking Tours in Kyoto, as well as Paranormal Kansai. Uh, Philip is a really impressive guy who is based out of Kyoto, Japan. He is a writer, a guide, a man who knows a lot about the history of the Kyoto area, a lot about the history of this part of Japan. And one thing that I personally really love, he knows a lot of spooky stories and tales. We jump into a lot of different topics during this interview. And it was fantastic. Um, so Philip Jackson is here for episode number 19 of the podcast. Um, I also just want to quickly mention that I really appreciate all of you who have joined the new Facebook group. A great community is growing and growing each and every day. It's kind of like Patreon, although you don't have to give any money. Um, so there is a lot of extra content in that Facebook group. A lot of photos, a lot of videos, a lot of information about the guests, about places in Asia, travel, food, lots of fun things. So come on over to the Just Asia Podcast Facebook group. It is brand new. Link is below in the show notes. Go check that out. And uh, yeah, listen to my interview with uh, Philip Jackson. It was the first one I've done face-to-face for this podcast. We literally met up in a park in Osaka, sat down together with my Zoom IQ7 recorder um, or microphone for my iPhone and had a great conversation. So uh, sit back and enjoy. Okay. um, Hey, everyone. Another episode of the Just Asia podcast. And this is the first time I've recorded like this face to face outside in a beautiful park in Osaka, Japan. And for this episode, I'm with Philip Jackson. Hello. Hello, Kevin. It's an honor to be the first live (laughs) face-to-face episode person. It is, and we're sitting on a rock in the lovely Utsubokoen here in Osaka, Japan. Um, It's a lovely rock we're sitting on. Um, And just before we recorded, we, uh, we chatted for a moment about this park itself. Um, so, uh, do you know what do you know about this park where we're recording? Well, this is Utsubo Park. Um, as you know, it used to be after the war. It was a, an airstrip for the American forces, uh, but before that, it was a, a famous fish market from Edo era up to nineteen thirty-one. Um, and it gets its name Utsubo. It was named by uh, Toitomi Hideyoshi. He came to the market and he heard, oh, okay, yeah. heard the market store holders saying, Yasui, Yasui, cheap fish. Yeah. And he thought, Ya means arrow. Um, su means nest. So he thought it sounds like a, a quiver for a bow. Uh, and a word for that is Utsubo. So he called it Utsubo. Okay. And that's how the area got its name. That's, and, and one thing that's you know interesting enough, like when I learned it had been an airstrip, post-World War II, when you look at this map, or when you look at it via a map like Google Maps mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. clearly it was an airstrip. Yeah, it's just a, a long a long, a long park. A, yeah. long, <laughs> a long, empty place in the middle of the city, but it's, it's really beautiful. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Philip was on my podcast, a former podcast, called the Supernatural Japan Podcast, which... 
think I'll probably be infusing elements of that into this podcast. Um, but we had some trouble back in the day recording that because I was in China at the time and China internet um, didn't allow us to have the best recording quality. But here we are. Um, so I was wondering, um, before we kind of jump into talking about the books you've written and things, if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, where you live here in Japan. Yeah, uh, so I'm living in Kyoto. Uh, I live in Uji City, uh, part of Uji called uh, Kohata. Uh, if there's any people interested in anime, there's the Kyoto Animation, oh, okay. which is in Kohata. Uh, they've got two locations there, and so there's lots of uh, movie locations in the area. Oh, okay, okay. So we, we do get a lot of uh, anime fans coming around right. taking photographs. Um, but yeah, I first came to Japan in... Um, when was it? 1998. Wow. 1998. I'm originally from the UK, um, born and raised in Lincolnshire, North England. Uh, spent a few years in London. Uh, then met, met my later-to-be Japanese wife in London, and we we lived in uh, in the UK. Uh, eventually came to live in Japan 2003 to 2007. Okay. Back to the UK for six years, and then back to Japan in 2012. And I've been here since since then, with no plans for returning. Nice, wow. So, um, by the way, that sound right there. The, the, <laughs> the crows. The katasu, the crows, that's one thing um, my children have been reveling in, especially we just got back from Hiroshima today, and there are jungle crows, the so large bill crows, all over the place. We're just not used to seeing them in China. Um, so it's uh, we, we love crows. I love crows. Um, I did an episode of the Super Natural Japan podcast on crows. Um, which I may share here at some point. But so, so Philip, um, you know, we connected through Twitter, mm-hmm. and I know that for years I've been following your work with something you've done called the Hidden Paths Kyoto, and you um, have put together a series of travel guides, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about those travel guides and kind of the origin of them and, and mm-hmm. why you decided to put those together. And a lot of questions here. How, <laughs> how they're different than maybe typical travel guide okay um, well there are six actually there are seven books now uh, six volumes uh, plus one omnibus edition which takes in volumes one to four okay. with updates and new photographs so there's, there's seven altogether and I did the first in I think it was 2018 but I, I'd, I'd been thinking about doing it for a while beforehand um, but I, I think uh, anybody who reads anything about Kyoto you know, you, you've, got, you've got two sides of the story where on one side um, people complain that it's, it's, too, it's too crowded uh, there's no infrastructure and then on the other side you've got the, the vloggers, the bloggers the mainstream guidebooks who tell you how fantastic it is and these are the must see places and they all tell you Kinkakuji, Arashiyama, Kiyomizudera, Fushimi and Aritaisha. So that's why it's crowded because everybody goes to the same places because there's only these few places that get recommended. And then living here and going to all these other different places, I was just left with this question like why doesn't anybody go to, uh, for example, you know, Fushimi in Aritaisha, a couple of kilometers south, you've got uh, Mount Oiwa, a small mountain, um, which has actually got connections to Inari, um, 
one of the clans that was originally at uh, Inariyama got forced out by the Hatta clan, and it was the Hatta clan that um, basically started the uh, the, the Inari shrine. Okay. So the clan that was forced out, and their name is totally out of my brain at the moment. I've got a blank on that one. They moved further south to uh, Mount Oiwa, and they started, they put their shrine on Oiwa and started um, uh, praying to the, to the mountain there. But you've got that location, which nobody goes to, where it's got all this history. Um, you've got a shrine which builds up during a, a, a along a hike up the mountain which has got stone tori gates made by the Kyoto uh, sculptor Domoto Insho mm. the place looks like something out of Indiana Jones okay. and then from the top you've got a viewing platform where you can look out across Kyoto it then leads a walk down the hill to um, the location where Akechi Mitsuhide the 13 day shogun he was apparently uh, ambushed and killed there and that's a paranormal site where his ghost is supposed to be seen so there's all these places where nobody goes to so I decided to put a collection of walks together that would take in these places and the first one uh, started say in 2018 and that the first walk was set in uh, Sanjo area um, so you get lots of people around Sanjo area, but for example, there's a there's a, a katana sword blade mark on one of the finials on Sanjo Bridge, which lots of people don't know about. They just walk past it. So I wanted to emphasize all these little historical points. And it just grew from there. Um, and as I say, we've now got six volumes uh, since 2018. It's changed a little, partly due to COVID, though, uh, because it started off, the first walk was Sanjo in the center of Kyoto. Okay. As COVID struck, obviously couldn't go into some of the more crowded areas or just couldn't go anywhere. So then it became more hikes and okay, mountains yeah. and things like that. So you that. kind of yeah. adapted towards, yeah. Yeah. you know, once once COVID started kicking in and people were avoiding crowds. You, yeah. A lot of people were getting outdoors, but a lot of people were discovering hiking. A lot of people... Yeah. It's one of those things you, you hear about that kind of knock-on with, uh, mm-hmm. with COVID, a, p- a positive, I suppose, if yeah, you spin it yeah. that way, um, is that a lot of people were, a lot of people were called COVID birders, getting into, <laughs> getting into birds, getting into nature, yeah. getting to learning about insects and yeah. all these different yeah. things, right, and, and hiking. And I remember for a while um, in, in Canada, anywhere where I'm from, it's often on the news that there were shortages of bicycles. Oh, people couldn't buy bicycles because everyone was buying bicycles yeah, yeah. because it's like, well, we can't go anywhere, so mm-hmm. let's start cycling. I mean, one thing that's got popular here, and uh, I'm sure it is in other places, but glamping. Oh, yeah, yeah I noticed that. I, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that kind of... Um, it, it, it was kind of coming along before, mm-hmm. like, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But um, now, like, when, I, when I went to... Um, recently, I went to Yorobashi Camera mm-hmm. in uh, Umeda, and the floor where they have the toy section, so I've got two children, they want to go to the, the toy floor, half of it's glamping stuff. Yeah. They actually had moved all the gashapong machines to a different place, and it's all glamping mm-hmm. things. Um, and there was a lot of people there shopping, you know. Yeah, there's, a, there's a place near me, it was, um, it's a big park, and it was just a big park. Mm-hmm. And um, about two years ago, it got taken over by the outdoor brand, I think they're called Noah. Logos? Okay, yeah. Um, Okay, yeah. Logos. And now it's called Logos. Logos Land. 
and you can do outdoor camping you can do the glamping they have a shop where you can buy gear and they have a cafe inside the cafe are tents so you buy wow. your food you sit in the tent inside in, the cafe, inside the cafe. Like yeah I, I did go it was yeah, it was fun yeah um, <laughs> interesting now um, but yeah um, so I, you know a lot of, of the the the, um, the the guys you put together now are kind of walking tours mm, and things mm, like that. Mm. So you know, but that's not the only thing you've written. And um, we, I reached out to you, I think the first time to be on a podcast I was doing yeah. with regards to your book Paranormal Kansai, and that was in my wheelhouse because I am a huge fan of ghostly things, paranormal. I mean, I grew up, I think, in you know, I grew up in an area that is well known for its folklore, its love folklore, um, uh, Eastern Canada, where I'm from. Um, the, the island of Cape Breton, where I'm from, is a very um, superstitious place. So I grew up surrounded by a lot of superstitions, a lot of superstitious people. I guess therefore I'm a product of my environment. Um, and, and recently, in episode 14 of this podcast, Just Asia, I had on Sean Morrissey, who um, helps run the um, Dark Side of Soul right. ghost tours, <coughs> walking tours. And he also run, uh, does Elise hikes for. Um, uh, hike Soul or Soul Hike, and he's now doing graveyard tours in in in, in, in around Soul, and, and he's he's a, a passionate folklorist and um, interpreter, and he's you know he's got many he's great at telling yarns, mm. and he knows his history great, um, which you've shown with your book Paranormal Kansai. Um, so, um, could you tell us first of all a little bit about the book Paranormal yeah. Kansai? Um, well, again, that that came from Hidden Path. The walking guidebooks and COVID, basically. Okay. Um, there were locations on the hidden paths, walking routes that had paranormal background stories to them. And um, and when yeah, when the COVID, uh, we didn't really have a lockdown here. It was advisories. Yeah. Um, but when those advisories came in, and I couldn't get out to do new walks and things, um, I started putting the paranormal Kansai. Uh, book together because I've been interested in that since a kid. Yeah. Uh, my my brother and I, when we were kids, we grew up in a village, um, and we were convinced that this old, these two old houses in our village were haunted just because they were old. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and we had all the books, you know, the the. You never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Osborne Book of Ghosts and. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember we uh, there was a famous ghost hunter in the UK called uh, Peter Underwood, and we sent a letter to him, and he sent us a photograph, signed photograph back, and we yeah, we were obsessed with it, and um, uh, and UFOs and things like that. And, uh, so I've always had that interest. Um, so it was when I couldn't get out to do the walks, and I thought, well, what what can I do? I want to do something, and I had all these paranormal locations. So I just thought, oh yeah, why? Why, why not do that? Um, and taking it further than... A hidden Pass is just Kyoto. Yeah. But to do a whole book just on paranormal, I thought I needed to expand it a little bit. So yeah. that's why I became Kansai. And, um, and for the it, uninitiated, what is Kansai? What is that place? Kansai is a collection of prefectures. Um it, in, uh, it's sometimes called West Japan, but it's it's actually more mid, Middle Japan, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think the word means West of the Mountains or something like that. And uh, 
because uh, it's got the West kanji kanji in it, I think. Um, so it's Kyoto. Hope I don't forget anybody. Uh, apologize if apologies if I leave some uh, prefecture out. Uh, Kyoto, Osaka, Nara, Shiga, Wakayama, Hyogo, and what's the other one? Mie. Okay, yeah. Seven, seven, yeah. Um, and yeah, there was just so many. I I, I could have made it twice the length. Um, uh, uh, that it actually was, but okay. yeah, but I wanted to get it out there as like a starting point, um, and also fill that gap of no hidden paths books. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah, there's so many <sighs> a wide selection and paranormal. I think people think ghosts, but um, I think if you look in the dictionary, paranormal says something that cannot be explained by uh, natural or or science. Mm. So that expanded it to uh, ghosts, folklore, cryptid creatures, uh, extraterrestrial stories, you know, yeah, quite, yeah, a, quite yeah. a wide range. So, um, you know, there were some stories that I'd heard before, some folklore stories I'd heard before, and some stories that I'd never come across. One, I think one of the most chilling ones was one that you featured on your podcast, the Senichimai Department Store yeah, yeah, and I think I think that one I, I did a, my first episode yeah. of the, the former Supernatural Japan mm, podcast. Mm. Um, just because I mean it's it's right here in in, in Osaka. Yeah. So what, what what was that? Well, uh, you know it better than I do. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the most what what really got me with that story was it was this department store in the seventies, but as you look deeper into the story, there were connections going back four hundred years. To, uh, which, which later there was a connection which really, you know, that chilled down my spine. So basically, it was this department store that caught fire uh, in the in the 70s, and um, it wasn't just a department store. There was um, nightclubs in there, and um, it was just a culmination of, of problems. The the escape doors were locked. There was um, the cause of the fire was uh, workmen's equipment, like I, I think paint and chemicals that had been left, and a dropped cigarette, yeah. um, an escape shaft collapse, all, all sorts like a of things. Storm well. of just bad yeah. luck and, yeah. and things that sh- regulations that weren't being yeah. followed, and all of those yeah. kinds of things. And when the fire got to uh, the club, there was panic. So some people died from jumping out the windows. Some people died in the escape shaft. Some people got crushed in the stampede um, and I think it was about three days before they actually managed to put the fire out and get a, a death toll which was uh, 118 I think but this was the chilling part years before during the Tokugawa period, early Tokugawa six, early 1700s it was an execu- execution ground and the number of people executed was 118, exactly the same number as people that died in the fire. And that when I when I read, I got the chills now on my back. Yeah. But there was so. And the fact that we have a crow yeah. flying over here <laughs> as you're telling the story, even more. Yeah, of yeah. But um, there was stories that came after it. Um, um, you know, taxi drivers said that they picked up passengers afterwards and then when they got down the road they looked behind and the passenger was gone and uh, the passenger had been dressed in a kimono which could have been a, a, a cabaret club a, a, a nightclub 
manageress. Um, it was turned into another uh, department store later, I think in the 80s, and, and people complained that the, the, the music in the lift had the sound of women crying. Yeah, I remember reading yeah. that in your, in your story. Um, so one thing I did, because it's now big camera, Yeah. I went there last year, and I took the elevator up and turned on my recorder. I mean, the elevator could be in a different place now to where it was then, yeah. but just out of curiosity. So I went up, there was just me and uh, two other people in the elevator. I went up, they got out, I went down, recorded it, just out of curiosity to see... Like an EVP. Yeah. <laughs> nothing picked up, nothing picked up. But it was, you know, it was strange walking through that shop then thinking I wonder because it was packed and I'm thinking I wonder how many people know the history of this building that they're in and was there anybody else in that building like me that was there for that reason reason. because you do know the history and you're curious about it and I think too like um, you know I've been back in uh, Japan from China now for the past few weeks and uh, you know I'm staying in an Airbnb which isn't that far from Shinsaibashi and the one thing that I've learned is definitely back here, like big time. And I'm sure that you know those uh, those places like Big Camera, they're they're packed yeah. with foreign tourists who yeah. obviously don't know the story. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that just it's 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 so interesting. I even I remember um, one of the things that you wrote about in the, the paranormal concept chapter about that was how even to this day at night people think they hear the, the sounds of thuds. Yeah, similar yeah. to the because as, people as had people jump, had been jumping out yeah, of the building to yeah. try to save themselves. Yeah, um, during the fire. Mm, mm. So people say that all these years later, they hear what sounds like yeah. thuds of bodies. But, but there is, of course, there's in in some of the places there is those situations where, for example, in in, in Kyoto, there's a place that I've been going to recently in Hino. Uh, Hino Minamiyama, which uh, there's hiking trails up there. It, it's um, southeast of uh, Kyoto City, not too far from where I live. You can, it's about a five-minute taxi ride from a station called Dokujizo, and you go into the mountains as hiking routes. Um, and at the top, there's a place called Yure Toge, the, go- okay. the Ghost Pass. Okay. And if you look online. Um, people in blogs say, oh, I went here and I, I felt a presence. You know, you dig deeper, there's, there's absolutely no paranormal stories or sightings of paranormality. There's nothing there, absolutely nothing there. Um, and the name Yure, Yure Pass, it, it's... Yure's ghost, right? Yeah, yeah. But what's up there is, is a location from the Second World War. There's cement walls, some okay. have fallen over, and it was a, a spotlight during the Second World War on the top of the mountain. Okay, yeah. So as the bombers, as the American bombers were coming over towards Osaka and Kobe, the soldiers would be on top of the mountain shining the spotlight trying to dazzle the pirates. Oh, okay. So I imagine that there must have been soldiers based up there on the top of the mountain because, you, you, you know, you couldn't just run up there. The bombers are coming yeah, yeah. quickly run up. And... Um, the, the, the word for spotlight is Yusento uh, and the information I've gathered is that over the years since the Second World War to today Yusento has gradually morphed into Yure oh, okay, okay. That, that's 
Um, there's a board up there which explains that it's named Yure from the word Yuzento. I don't know how it's morphed, but over the years the name has changed. Whether somebody has said it and misheard it, passed it on to okay. somebody else. A case of Chinese whispers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but because it's got that name, some people on blogs type, "Oh, I felt something." But there's no paranormal story connected to it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of those things that happens often, right? You know, like you, maybe you reflect back to your days where you and your brother, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, thought that these houses were haunted simply because they were old. Yeah. Um, and, and nowadays, you know, in, in a world of blogs and social media and TikToks mm. and Instagram, um, you know, a lot of people are, are sharing, mod- modern air quotes, ghost hunters mm. are sharing. Um, a lot of these tales. So I, I remember one um, story from from uh, Paranormal Concept that really, the one that I think sent the chills down my spine the most was, I think, said in Wakayama about that class of students, middle school oh, students, yeah. Yeah. who yeah, went the beach. For, on a beach for a swimming class. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you remember that one? If you could share that, that was... Yeah, yeah. That was a a middle school (laughs) swimming class, yeah. And they'd had regular swimming classes, and they they checked the waters beforehand, as they did every week, apparently. And uh, the class went swimming out. I think there was about... uh, you're getting eaten by mosquitoes out here. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm, I'm sitting here as we do this interview, guys. I'm, uh, I'm wearing shorts, and I'm like literally looking down. I, see, I saw like five mosquitoes on one leg at one time. I'm being feasted upon. There's something paranormal might happen here in a moment. So there were, there were, I think there was about 60 or so teachers and children out there. They went swimming out, and everything, everything seemed okay. Um, and then... What happened, um, people on the beach noticed that they could see that the staff and the children seemed to be in trouble in the water. Okay, yeah. As if they were drowning. Um, And some were being pulled under. Uh, Before that happened, somebody saw uh, a white small wave coming towards them. Um, And anyway, later they, they got out. Some drowned and passed away. Um, some died later from uh, their injuries Um, but the story that they gave was that um, they had been had their legs pulled from under them into the water Um, some of the survivors said that they saw um, people in the water coming towards them wearing um, like cushioned headgear Mm. which would have been second world war air raid uh, headgear protection okay, yeah. uh, and just before their legs were pulled these people disappeared under the water and then they felt themselves being pulled under um, and that was the location where um, a lot of people had died from bombings in the second world war and apparently the date of the incident of the drowning the school drowning was on the 10 year anniversary of the bombings when people had died and so the the thinking is that these people they saw in the water wearing the headgear were the ghosts of those who had died in the war had come to take some more with them Um, they never did find, uh, they looked at lots of theories about undercurrents um, sudden waves they couldn't find a definite answer um, another witness did come forward a few years after that, but was kind of discredited. And they, they yeah, they never got an answer to that. Um, apparently, one person did 
there was one in one news report they said that one of the victims grabbed one of the helmets one of the headgear yeah so I'd love to know what happened to that headgear yeah yeah <laughs> and you have, you have a picture of that in, in the book yeah kind of what yeah. it would look like yeah. kind of like almost yeah. like a hood yeah and, and actually uh, schools now they still wear that so similar for, for um, earthquakes yeah. Yeah. kids often yeah. have them attached to their chairs or like sea cushions yeah. right yeah. and they put them on their heads I worked at a school in Japan years back where the kids mm-hmm. had one similar to that when we'd have an earthquake drill they'd have to put them on yeah. and, and make their way to the classroom but I, I think the chilling thing about all these stories is about how previous events have a habit of coincidentally falling on future dates yeah. You know, with this, with, with that, it was a 10-year anniversary. With the department store fire, it was a number. The number executed was the same number of people um, that died from the fire. There's all these reoccurring coincidences. Yeah, yeah. That's really neat, really neat. I think that's, um, yeah, it's, again, I, I get really excited about the paranormal side of things. Um, I've enjoyed reading um, your book. My son, Kai, who's just about to be 13 he's read it we at that point we were in China trying to find things spooky places to go to but um, living in the city of Shenzhen the, the city itself was founded in 1979 I mean there's really not a lot of history there um, so there wasn't a lot of we, we did come across some interesting things but you know nothing like mm. a, a place that has history yeah. and it was literally pasture land until 1979, and then the super city was created, you know, yeah. in a way yeah. that only China would be able to create something yeah. like that. Um, but, you know, where I'm heading, um, we're going to be moving to Malaysia soon, mm. and in Penang, there's a lot of, uh, Malaysia, there's a lot of a lot of history, a lot of neat abandoned places, a lot of tales, a lot of lore, mm. a lot of places that were um, buildings that were kind of taken by the Japanese and the Japanese occupied that place and had apparently done horrible some horrible things had happened so there's a lot of the maybe kind of dark history um, so there'll be a lot of interesting things to explore so um, with with your books or with, with Paranormal Kansai I've asked you this before do you think that's something that's going to maybe evolve maybe there'll be a part two or more connections between that or also with, with Hidden Paths where, where are you yeah. going next with all these these writings I well I've got <clears throat> I've got enough information to start putting together Volume 7 of The Hidden Paths. Um, one of the walking routes would be the um, Hino Minamiyama, the Yode Toge, mm. um, because at the bottom of the mountain there's also another place called uh, Kamano Chome Rock. You recently blogged about this, Yeah, right? yeah. Um, this was um, a from a... A person from an aristocratic family, Kamal family in, in um, Kyoto was a very influential family in the 12th century. Kamano uh, Chome, his father was the superintendent of the lower Kamal Shrine, which is now Shimogama Junja, okay. very well-known shrine. Uh, when his father died in 1170, he was expected to take over, but the position was passed over to his cousin. So he basically said, no more. I'm not part of this bureaucracy anymore. And he went to live on Mount Hie, took the Buddhist vows, started writing essays, whacker poetry. Later, he went to live on um, Ino Minamiyama, and he supposedly spent his last years living in a wooden hut by this rock. Okay. And that rock is there. And then there's a hiking route which goes up the mountain. Um and there's one or two other locations and then Yure Toge at the top and then that comes down the other side to Daigo 
the famous temple on the other side. Um, so a lot of these places are connected to well-known places, but people go to the well-known places, yeah. they don't go to the more interesting places. Well, I mean, so. that's what happens. I mean, you, I mean, what do most people do? And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, too, for example, like, when I you know, learned I was going to be, you know, when I, I accepted the offer of a job position in Malaysia, mm. what do I do? The first thing, I go to YouTube, yeah. the, the world's <laughs> second largest search engine behind Google, yeah. and I yeah. type in, you know, Penang, Malaysia, and what happens? Vlogs pop up, yeah. and what happens? Yeah. The top ones are usually big people, like, yeah. you know, like, um, food vlogs, like Mark Weens, who went to Penang, and it's like, top ten things to eat, mm. top ten places to see, yeah. and it's always the same places, yeah. you know, and I mean, yeah. um, I think the same as, you know, I, I lived in Kobe for years, and I was, you know, I, I vlogged on YouTube for many years early on in the, kind mm. of the infancy of YouTube, but since then, massive, lots of massive YouTubers have yeah. gone yeah. to Kobe, so when I when I type in Kobe, Japan, I don't even see my videos anymore, they're all buried, <laughs> where once upon a time, it was everything it was all like me going through like old Shoten guy, and, and really neat little places, I, yeah. but but I'm, I'm no one on YouTube, right? Um, so I'm buried under the algorithms of yeah. these huge yeah. YouTubers, and it's all the top ten things to do. The top ten things to eat, right? M must see places. And like you it? said, it's all the same places. Yeah. I mean, Kyoto, yeah. King Kakuji, and yeah. Kumizadera. Yeah, it's so same, the same places. Yeah, King, King Kakuji, Gion, uh, Kumizadera, Arashiyama, yeah. Fushimi, and Aritaisha. Yeah, um, yeah it's the same ones. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's thoughts on the next volume of um, Hidden Paths. I've got. A first draft finished of Paranormal Japan. Oh, wow. The only reason I haven't finished it is that um, somebody wrote up some fair and constructive feedback to Paranormal um, Kansai, okay. where they said, um, yeah, I like the book, but it seemed more of a, a guidebook of locations. I would have preferred a bit more storytelling. So I thought I'll take a bit of a step back from Paranormal Japan and then go back to it in a couple of months and, and see if I can maybe add that sort of element to it. So the first draft is done and maybe next month I'm going to have a relook at it and um, see if I can add that sort of storytelling element to it. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well, um, I sent you a photograph. Oh, yeah. Let's a, talk about that. A footprint. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's what yeah. you, you mentioned earlier in this interview. When we talk about the world, when we talk about par uh, paranormal, a lot of people may think of just ghosts. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot more. And you mentioned something. Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, mm. I'll let you talk. Tell me about this. So, there's um, an American guy in uh, Hiroshima area. His name is Kyle Brink, and I've been I've been talking with Kyle uh, via email, and. One of the, I would say, better known cryptids in Japan, or better known in some circles, is the Hibigon. And, and, and let's, again, taking it back, for those who may not be familiar with the topic of the paranormal, what is a cryptid? A cryptid is a creature, uh, probably the best known is Bigfoot. Yeah. The Sasquatch, the Bigfoot. Um, and the Hibigon is the Japanese Bigfoot. Uh, in Japan, we've also got the Tengu and the Kappa. Mm. Uh, yeah, Suchinoko and things like that. Um, so, yeah, these, these cryptids are creatures that um, could be extinct. 
have never been seen or have been seen, but there's no evidence that they actually exist. Um, but yeah, the, probably the, the most famous one in the world is Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. And the Hibagon is the Japanese Bigfoot. And the sightings of the Hibagon started in um, 70s. Okay. The last one was 1982. And then they suddenly stopped. Okay. Um, and it was on Mount Hiba. So I, I... And this is in Hiroshima Prefecture? Hiroshima Prefecture, yeah. And so there's an American guy called Kyle, Kyle Brink. He lives in that area. And he's basically set himself the task of researching the Hibagon, hiking the mountains, finding any trace of the Hibagon. Yeah, he, he put out a book uh, a couple of years ago, which I, oh, really? I, I picked up a copy of that, and it's just called Hibagon. He's got a YouTube channel, which at, at the moment is still still small, and he puts videos of his walks over the mountains okay. and other folklore and mysteries of the area. Uh, his YouTube channel's called Brink Books. Okay, Brink Books. B-R-I-N-K. Okay, Brink I'm Books. Check that out. And this is the stuff I'm interested yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's done quite a lot of research, so we got talking, and recently, just a couple of months ago, he came across a footprint on Mount Hibber in the snow. Okay. And he took some photographs, and because it was in the snow, so it must have been quite, quite recent. Mm. And uh, he got it checked out by uh, a, a vet uh, who confirmed that from looking at it, it looked like... Um, some primate but not homo sapien okay. uh, the shape of the uh, where the big toe was positioned it was m- more ape like okay. um, so I sent you a photograph yeah, yeah, that yeah. photograph and um, yeah, Kyle um, brought up some other areas which I wasn't aware of but could be connected to Kyoto so he's, one of his theories is that he thinks there's a connection between the Oni the demon yeah. from Japanese folklore and the Hibagon. Could the Hibagon actually be an Oni demon? And um, there are stories of when the on, the Oni were wiped out in, in Kyoto. And so he'd like to get over to Kyoto to have a, a look at some of the areas. Uh, interestingly, there I've come across this twice now where people have put videos on YouTube connected to Hibagon, and I'm sure it's the same person. They put a comment saying, "Yeah, the Hibagon is in Kyoto as well. If you go hiking around the North Mountains, you'll see it." And every time I reply to this person saying, "Well, you know, can you tell me where these locations?" They never reply. Okay. So I don't know if it's somebody just, you know, just joking around. But but Kyle explained about the connection between the Hibagon, the Oni, and Kyoto. Uh, so hopefully he can get over to Kyoto sometime in the future, and we can go for a hike together. Yeah. Um, really but yeah, I would definitely recommend having a look at his his website, uh, his sorry, his YouTube channel, Bring Books, and because uh, he keeps regularly putting up his updates. Yeah, neat. And as far as updates for your things and, and, and where people can find you, um, where can people find all these things we're talking about that you do? Uh, my Hidden Paths website is hiddenpathskyoto.com. Okay. Um, I've got a YouTube channel which is. Hidden Paths Walking Historical Kyoto. Um, there's also the audio videos of the 
uh, UK radio slots that I do from time to time. Oh, that's right. You you do uh, you make appearances on radio in UK. And yeah, that's um, that's a show called The Unexplained. We've just been approached by a little sparrow who's about to jump on your foot. By the looks of it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm Doctor Doolittle here. The mosquitoes are. I'm a mosquito whisperer. Apparently, as we find more on me, uh, the the sparrows come. Maybe and, looking uh, for crows watch. Maybe looking for food. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, the it's, mosquitoes have certainly found that food with me. So it's a radio show called The Unexplained with Howard Hughes. Okay. Um, and Howard Hughes is a, a British radio presenter, TV presenter, who's had um, his podcast, Unexplained Podcast, for about 15 years now. And it's it then it was a radio show before uh, the radio show the radio channel turned into a sports channel. So okay. he took it to a podcast. They then changed back and they invited him back. So he's got the podcast. Uh, yeah, the, I think the podcast episode I did was episode 430 on, on the Unexplained website. Mm. Um, so every few weeks I get a message from Howard and he'll say, this story's come up in Japan, do you know anything about it? Mm. So then I'll go on and it could be anything from um, space news, rocket launches. Um, You're the Japan guy. Yeah, cri- cryptid creatures. Um, I think last year we had the, uh, the story of... Uh, the, uh, the the rock which split open and, and the the nine tailed fox spirit yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, tam, Tamama no Mai that hit the news cycle yeah, that was all over yeah. the all over the international news uh, yeah she was a, this evil spirit um, that had been captured killed because she was trying to kill the emperor centuries ago and and then she turned herself into a rock and then they they put this uh, Shinto rope around it and then uh, last year or the year before it, it split in half. And then the story was, as the evil spirit escaped from the rock. You know. um, there is a, a, a small jizo rock in Kyoto uh, at one temple, not far from the from the Philosopher's Path, which is a famous tourist park. Yeah. And apparently, that's made from part of the nine-tailed oh, really? fox spirit okay. rock. Yeah, um, the Killing Stone. Because apparently, if you if you go near this stone, you die. So don't go near it. Don't go praying to this jizo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, every few weeks I'll, I'll get a message from Howard saying, you know, can you come on the show? We've got this Japan story. Cool. And it's just a you know quick ten minutes. Yeah. Sat in this park. It's very park in the morning. Yeah. Because it's in the UK, so the time difference. I have to do that at about seven o'clock in the morning because okay. the show goes out at around 10, 11 o'clock at night in the UK. Okay, but that works out before your work, so... Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm sat close to exactly where we are now. I mean, that works out, that's one of the things I found as a podcast. I mean, here we sit literally on the same rock, yeah. um, having this conversation, but often where I was based in China for the last few years, um, you know, or even in Japan, it's often um, time, time zone Olympics, trying to yeah. figure out how to connect yeah. people who are in the UK, who are in America, mm-hmm. who are... And then in America, it depends. Like, the West Coast of the United States, it's always been horrific for me to try to connect with people mm-hmm. there because of my work schedule and, and this and that. But, um, so HiddenPathsKyoto.com, is that right? Uh, HiddenPathsKyoto.com. Okay. And then, um, um, the but you- you're, you're also, I mean, I, I, we first connected on Twitter. So mm. where do you, uh, you, you've got your YouTube channel, you've got your website, and where else? Uh, so Twitter would be at P. Jackson Music. P. Jackson Music. Yeah. And um, you 
lot to share. That's where I was kind of following your hiking adventures a few weeks ago, where you were up on that mountain. Where was I? Was it the? That wasn't the Yode. It was. Yeah. 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 yeah, I was up there. Yeah, recently the uh, four of us went up and there. Then you, uh, you, and then you also with the, uh, the what do they call it? The stone ship. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's where. I, yeah. Too, and then you blogged about it. You yeah. Your blog yeah. Was that was a place I'd, I'd wanted to go for a long time. Book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's in Nara, um, Masuda no Iwafune, um, and that's about an, about an hour and a quarter from Kyoto, south into Nara, and um, bamboo forest, and just slap bang in the middle of the forest is this huge rock, about nearly 20 feet high okay. 20, 30 feet wide it's um, this rock actually appeared on a, an episode of Ancient Aliens okay. yeah. and this series there are documents in the 7th century that state it was there then so it's that old but nobody knows what it what it it's what it carved, is? Right? Yeah, it it's, looks like a ship. Yeah, it's like got the whole of a ship. it's got smooth surfaces. It's got grid patterns. It's got straight angles. It's got um, compartments cut into the top. And you're walking through the bamboo forest, and suddenly it's just there, just totally out of place. It really is quite breathtaking. And um, yeah, I went to see that and, and blogged about that and. Uh, it's strange because as I was looking for it, it you've got the, the forest and around the forest is residential area and, and we couldn't find it I was with my son we couldn't find it the entrance into the forest and, and, and that, even though we was looking at the map and there was a lady on the street and, and, and I asked her in Japanese where, you know where is it ah shiranai okay uh, <laughs> you, you, you know so we, we ended up finding it, but it was strange because even one of the residents didn't know where it, where it was. And so some of the theories put forward was that maybe it was some kind of pedestal that was in the middle of a, a lake that was originally there. Um, but the paranormal story that the episode of Ancient Aliens touched on was that it was a rock ship, a spaceship. Okay. And there's another one in Osaka. Um, there's a shrine called um, uh, Iwafune which basically means rock ship, Iwafune Ginger. And there's a rock ship there, which the story to that one is that it was it was a spaceship which the grandson of uh, Amaterasu came down on and brought all these magical gifts down. And okay. then when it landed, it then turned into a rock, and that rock is still there. And so that's one story that it was a rock ship that the gods came down on. And, it, it yeah, it does look... Looks like a strange. Yeah, the one that you saw. I mean, yeah. the pictures. And I mean, I've seen it in your book and yeah. your blog posts. And uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's huge. It's a weird looking yeah. thing. I, it, it. <laughs> and, and again, when I went there, there was just two other people there, and they left after about five minutes, and I stayed for about half an hour. And nobody else came. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and close by there, fifteen minutes walk away, there's one of the biggest keyhole coffins in Japan. Okay. So yeah. there's so many things around there. Nobody goes off the path. <laughs> yeah. And those are the, the magical things to see yeah. that you can enjoy with someone around. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. Well, uh, yeah, I don't want to keep you much longer. Um, I know the mosquitoes would like me to um, keep you longer here. The sparrows so and mosquitoes. Um, so uh, I'm going to share all those links um, to your social media, to your website, to the books, um, which can be all bought on Amazon mm. and stuff as well, right? Yep, all available um, on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those will be in the show notes for all of you listening. Um, go follow Philip and all the things he does. Go check out his books. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add? Um, just one more shout out somebody who's somebody who has helped quite a bit with the hidden paths um, you probably know Rob at Real Japan oh yeah 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 Rob Dyer uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so um, uh, yeah he's he's been very supportive and um, I met him many years ago <laughs> yeah yeah when he was you know putting starting starting the Real Japan and he came to Kobe and, and right he right absolutely fantastic fellow so he's um, you know he's recommended me to some people that were looking for walks oh, okay, cool. so I would say anybody who's not in Japan that is looking to come to Japan uh, his company the Real Japan um, he was on an old episode of the Just Japan podcast. Right, the right. Japan, um, dot com. Yeah, yeah, Rob yeah. was on that. And I plan to have him come on this podcast right, as well. Right. I've been chatting with him. Yeah, so he, he will yeah. sort out itineraries for people and advise where to go, some off the beaten path places. And, uh, yeah, he's put a couple of people in my direction as well. Cool, wonderful. So also go check out therealjapan.com. And, again, Rob was on a, an episode many years ago um, of because like, he... Um, his wife is from this area and from the Kobe, Kobe, yeah, I think so, Kobe yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I lived in Kobe for almost 10 years. Yeah. So. so he was over uh, last year and we went for a hike around Uji. Nice. So I took him to some of the places that were in Hidden Paths. And Wonderful. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. So follow those links. They'll all be in the show notes on the Facebook page. The new Facebook community is growing. I'm growing that page and that's going to be a very active place. So I'll, I'll share lots of stuff um, about this interview, everything we're talking about. Um, the links to the books and blogs and Twitter and all that will be in there. So, uh, again, thank you so much for taking oh. the time to sit with me in person <laughs> for the first time using my Zoom. I think it's a, what do they call it? It's an IQ7 mic. Yeah, and we got lucky with the weather because it was a downpour this it afternoon. Was, there was like just, I think, like an hour and a half before we met. There was crazy thunder and lightning. There was and a downpour. Tor- tornado advisories as well. Oh, really? Wow, great. <laughs> but we made it. We did it. But yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Well, I want to thank Philip for taking the time to stop by the Just Asia podcast. That was a fantastic chat, a great chat. Um, The mosquito bites, although there were many on my legs, um, I made that sacrifice for you guys because you're all worth it. And uh, yeah, it it was it was awesome. A great chat. It It was fantastic to meet in person and talk. So remember to follow all of the things that we talked about today that Philip is doing. Go to Hidden Paths kyoto.com hiddenpathskyoto.com and you can follow him on twitter at p jackson music at p jackson music those links will below be below in the show notes um i highly recommend picking up a copy of his books hidden paths um the walking historical kyoto and of course uh pick up a copy of paranormal kansai they're both a lot of fun. And I think we'll have to have Philip back for uh, the Halloween season. Maybe we can get him and Sean Morrissey back on the podcast and tell us some spooky tales. Um, some updates about me. Uh, still in the Airbnb in Osaka and enjoying um, time in Japan. Been posting a lot of stuff on the new Just Asia Podcast Facebook group. If you haven't already joined, go check the link below in the show notes and that information. Uh, I like to kind of um, compare it to Patreon, 
only it's free. You don't have to give me any money. I'm not asking for any money. Just join the group and there's a lot of bonus content over there. Videos, uh, photos, extra links, neat stuff, a lot of things, a lot of interaction. I wanted to build an active community of people who listen to this podcast, who are interested in travel, history, folklore, all the neat things that our guests are doing over here on the Gestation Podcast. Um, as for me, a few weeks left here. Um, we just got back from Hiroshima last or yesterday, and we had a fantastic trip for a few days. We went to the Peace Memorial, the Peace Museum, saw the A-bomb dome, visited several um, sites within the downtown area that had survived the atomic bomb um, structures that had survived, um, as well as some. Interestingly enough, I found this very, very fascinating as someone who was a nature fan. Um, a lot of trees, or some trees, in the in the area that had survived the blast, which are also kind of memorialized. Very interesting indeed. Very powerful place. Um, you know, very. Yeah, very powerful place, obviously. Um, so that was a, it was a great trip to go there. Um, we're back in Osaka now. Uh, yeah, what's up? We're going to, we've got a few more, a couple more weeks left here, and then we'll be off to um, Canada for a few weeks and then off to Malaysia. So uh, I have a few recordings lined up, a few interviews lined up, setting, solidifying things, dates and times to actually do the interviews. It's trickier than I expected because I'm basically with my family 24-7. And we are in a house. We rented an entire house as an Airbnb, but it's a Japanese old-fashioned house. So it's actually really tiny and literally... What do they say? You could hear a mouse fart upstairs. Um, so any if, if someone dropped a piece of paper on the second floor, you would hear it loudly on the first floor. So it's uh, it, it's posing challenges to do interviews. Um, but, it, you know, I guess that's why Phil and I sat down in the park. But that was a lot of fun to do that. Um, yeah, so uh, things are going very good. And again, I'm documenting a lot of things on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter at Mad for Maple. Go follow me on Twitter at Mad for Maple. I have been slacking off with my Instagram at JLandKev, but I promise to do better. Um, I've been putting a lot of my energy into that new Facebook group. So go check that out. Um, all of you folks, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. As we grow, we approach episode number 20. Um, each week, uh, the, the listenership grows little by little by little, and that's fantastic. Please help us grow by when I share things out on my social media, please retweet them, retweet my tweets. Um, please post links to this podcast on different Facebook groups you may be into, your Facebook profile. Word of mouth helps if you have some friends who are into Japan, Asia, you know, Korea, Malaysia, wherever it may be where these episodes are based. Please go in and share with your friends and family and all of that and help us grow. Well, that's it. A lot of shouting things out, but it's all stuff for this podcast, so that's fine. All the links I've talked about are below in what we call the show notes. So when you scroll down and say Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Amazon Music, you see all the links and, and go check those links out. Well, that is it for another episode of the Just Asia podcast. My name is Kevin O'Shea, a Canadian who has been living in Asia for 21 years, <clears throat> currently hanging out in Osaka, Japan with my wife and two awesome kids, and well, my awesome wife and two awesome kids, uh, enjoying life day by day. Uh, yeah, and that's it for me. A new episode will be coming your way very soon with another spectacular guest with a very interesting story to share for with you all. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, wherever you are in the world, hope you're happy, hope you're healthy, and I'll be talking to you really soon. <laughs>